Tonight on Throwback Thursday, as Tune FM celebrates 50 years, 1990. The shuttle Discovery, poised at Cape Canaveral for a launch tomorrow morning. It may be the most ambitious and eagerly awaited mission in the history of the shuttle program. It's a year of invention and discovery. We're looking at the Hubble Space Telescope, the World Wide Web, and Sue the T-Rex. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? All that and some great music coming up on Throwback Thursday 1990, helping Tune FM celebrate 50 years. It certainly is, and thank you for joining us yet again on Throwback Thursday for the year 1990. We're already into the 90s, which is absolutely incredible. This has already been going for 20 weeks. We are going to have another relatively quiet show tonight, but we're going to be talking about some major scientific and technological inventions and discoveries. We're going to be starting off with the Hubble Space Telescope, which was launched into low Earth orbit in 1990. We're going to be talking about the World Wide Web, which was invented in 1989, but was first uh, put in place and uh, written into the first web browser in 1990. And we're going to be talking about Sue the T-Rex, discovered in 1990, and what exactly is significant about Sue. But let's start with the Hubble Space Telescope. It is, in case you don't know, it's a space telescope that was launched into low Earth orbit in 1990. We still use it today. It was not the first space telescope, but it is one of the largest and most versatile that we have. It's a vital research tool and a public relations boon for astronomy. It's named after astronomer Edwin Hubble and is one of NASA's great observatories along with the Compton Gamma Ray Observatory, the Chandra X-ray Observatory and the Spitzer Space Telescope. It's pretty huge as well. It's got a 2.4 meter wide mirror and its four main instruments uh, observe in the ultraviolet, visible and near infrared regions of the electromagnetic spectrum. It's uh, probably one of the most significant pieces of astronomical technology uh, that we have to date. Um, it's been up there for now, 30 years, four months and 22 days. Uh, it is this massive, massive telescope. To look at some of the things that it um, actually has uh, discovered or has uh, found, well, there's a whole bloody page of them. Uh, some of its important discoveries are helping us to find the age and expansion of the universe, the discovery of some of the first black holes. Uh, it extended visible wavelength images. It discovered new solar systems, uh, reappearances of supernovas. It's help, helped us to discover the mass and size of the Milky Way. Other discoveries include uh, protoplanetary disks in the Orion Nebula, evidence for the presence of extrasolar planets around sun-like stars, and the optical counterparts of the still mysterious gamma ray bursts. Uh, there are some of the most incredible photos of uh, space objects, including uh, photos of Saturn, photos of Jupiter, um, lots of different constellations and other solar systems and galaxies, nebulas, have all come from the Hubble Space Telescope. So it launched in on the 12th of, 24th of April, I'm sorry, 1990 on the Space Shuttle Discovery and entered service as of the 20th of May. It is expected to decay and go out of service sometime between 2030 and 2040, which is quite long lived when you think about the fact that it's a, it's a piece of technology just up there in space, uh, pretty rarely maintained, if at all. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible that it's going to manage to go 40 to 50 years um, and be such a, 
an incredible um, piece of technology for us. Uh, it was proposed as early as the 1920s. A space telescope was uh, first proposed as early as the 1920s, which is an incredible thought because you, when you think about that, uh, we weren't doing Apollo missions until the 60s. It was President Kennedy that uh, started pushing NASA to uh, explore uh, putting people into space around the 60s. I know that um, Russia was doing it in the 50s, but 1923 was uh, the first uh, mention of how a telescope could be propelled into Earth's orbit uh, and allow us to see things uh, without having to peer through our own atmosphere, essentially. Um, it was put together. It took a, a long, long time. It was delayed by the Challenger disaster in 1986, uh, bringing the U.S. space program to a halt. It grounded all of the space shuttle fleet, and it forced the launch of Hubble to be postponed for several years the telescope had to be kept, kept in a really clean room during that time, of course, because if you get any dirt on the mirror or anything like that, well, it's it's buggered. It's this multi-billion dollar piece of technology uh, that is just absolutely buggered. So um, it eventually would launch uh, following the resumption of sh shuttle flights in 1988. It was scheduled for 1990, and it launched on Space Shuttle Discovery uh, during the STS-31 mission. From its original estimated cost of about 400 million US dollars, the telescope cost about 4.7 billion US dollars by the time of its launch. And its cumulative costs were estimated to be about 10 billion US dollars by 2010. But the discoveries that we've got from the Hubble Space Telescope are definitely well worth that. It features a whole bunch of different instruments as well, a whole array of different instruments that have been on, installed uh, on it recently or more recently or um, or, or it being, uh, or that it had from, from the very get-go, um, including spectrographs and sensors and different levels of cameras and, um, and all that sort of thing. Um, so it's, it's this absolutely incredible piece of technology and it was launched in 1990. And to think that that was actually a delay um, is quite astonishing. It's quite a feat of human engineering indeed. Well, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the World Wide Web next, which was first put into place and uh, invented and all of that sort of thing in 1990. It's a little bit complicated because it happened over the course of a couple of years, but we're going to talk about it uh, for this week when we come back. But before that, I'll leave you with Roxette for our first song from 1990 for this evening.
It must have been love by Roxette, and we're going to move on in our science and technology-themed episode of Throwback Thursday for 1990 as we look at the World Wide Web. It is a massive information system. Where would we be without it today? It's, uh, it contains documents and other web resources interlinked by hypertext and accessible over the internet. And it was first invented in 1989, but written into the first web browser in 1990. It was invented by English scientist Tim Berners-Lee. Uh, and it was released uh, outside of the CERN in Geneva, the uh, uh, European Organization for Nuclear Research, starting in January 1991. So as I said before the break, uh, it took place over a few years, but we're going to talk about it this year. Um, there are lots of different websites, of course, as we know now, but at the start it was just this uh, very small uh, little web page uh, interlinking uh, interlinking a few documents. Um, he first had the vision of a global hyperlinked information system in the second half of the 1980s. By 1985, the idea had become to, begun to proliferate in Europe and uh, there was a domain name system came into being so you could kind of have your own little internet hyperlinked uh, information sort of thing. In 1988, the first direct IP connection between Europe and North America was made, and Berners-Lee began to openly discuss the possibility of a web-like system, having this one big system accessible worldwide that could have all of this information, all of these documents. By 2014, well, having a look at a map, uh, there's very limited places left without uh, World Wide Web information. Of course, uh, the leaders in the world for it with uh, um, a, an internet, uh, I believe they, they do it in a score out of 100. Um, the world leaders with scores between 90 and 100 are the US and parts of Europe, including the UK, Iceland and Scandinavia. Uh, with scores in the 80s are ourselves, uh, New Zealand, Canada, um, unfortunately, there are still parts of the world, which you might not know, that don't have any internet information whatsoever. That includes large parts of Africa, um, some parts of the Middle East, uh, a couple of countries in South America and Central America, the Caribbean, um, and some parts of Eastern Europe as well, as well as uh, uh, countries such as North Korea, uh, Mongolia, uh, those sorts of things. So the World Wide Web is this absolute global phenomenon, and it was invented in 1990. Um, it, was, it was basically an expansion of technology that had already existed for around five years at that point. So as we said, there was this uh, domain name system that had been come up, come up with, that invented hyperlinks, that invented uh, IP addresses and that, and that sort of thing, and they could connect on a small scale uh, different bits of information with different computers and different, uh, different media and that sort of thing. But Tim Berners-Lee came up with this concept for this one big, not, not, not a server, but this one big connection of information that would span across the world. It was all born in a corridor in the ground floor of a building in Geneva. And uh, as of 2010, that corridor has now given birth to a massive data center housing some of the World Wide Web's servers and what massive servers they are. Um, where would we be without it? Honestly, I, I know that uh, let's, let's think about like this year in particular, where would we be without the internet this year? In, think about your studies in particular. 
I know that COVID-19 has been a massive um, hindrance to a lot of people's studies. Some people have had to uh, go home when they would have previously been here on college, on campus. Um, but without the internet, you'd be doing it through post. You'd be doing it through uh, very slow posts, which of course, COVID-19 has meant that our post has uh, slowed down at some points. You might not be able to study at all if we didn't have the internet, if we didn't have the capability to Zoom or download all of those resources online and do our own research through the internet instead of having to visit a library. It's this absolutely, it, it has completely changed the face of the earth. So I think there's, there's no possible way that we could understate uh, how significant uh, that is that that moment is in 1990 when the World Wide Web was formally uh, invented by Tim Berners-Lee. Well, we're going to go back to the music here on Throwback Thursday. I hope you're having a wonderful Thursday evening. When we come back, we're going to be talking about our third and final scientific discovery for this week's science and technology themed Throwback Thursday. We're going to be talking about Sue the T-Rex. What's significant about Sue? Well, you'll find out very shortly. You're listening to Throwback Thursday 1990. Here's another song from the very beginning of the 90s.
Oh, Pretty Woman by Gary Moore. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM, and this is Throwback Thursday, 1990. We're going to finish off our um, look at uh, science and technology from 1990 by talking about Sue the T-Rex. It's a nickname given to one of the largest, most extensive, and best-preserved Tyrannosaurus Rex specimens ever found. Over 90% of this T-Rex's skeleton was recovered by bulk. It was first discovered on the 12th of August, 1990 by Sue Hendrickson, an explorer and fossil collector, and of course, was named after her. After ownership disputes were settled, the fossil was auctioned in October of 1997. It ended up selling for 8.3 million US dollars, which is the highest amount ever paid for a dinosaur fossil. It's now a permanent feature at the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago, Illinois. It was found uh, by a group of workers from the Black Hills Institute in, located in Hill City. They were searching for fossils at the Cheyenne River Indian Reservation in western South Dakota. By the end of the summer, they discovered bones from Edm- Edmontosauruses. They were ready to leave. However, a flat tire was discovered on their truck before they could depart on August the 12th. So while the rest of the group went into town to try to repair the truck, Sue Hendrickson decided to explore the nearby cliffs that the group had not checked. And as she was walking along the base of a cliff, she discovered some small pieces of bone. She looked above her to see where the bones had originated and observed some larger bones protruding out of the wall of the cliff. She returned to camp with two small pieces of the bones and reported the discovery to the president of the Black Hills Institute, Peter Larson, and he determined that the bones were from a T-Rex by their distinctive color, contour and texture. Later, closer examination of the site showed that many visible bones were above the ground and there were some articulated vertebrae as well. So the crew ordered some extra plaster, and although some of them did have to depart, they began to uncover the bones. They were very excited as it was evident that much of the dinosaur was going to have been preserved. Previously discovered T-Rex skeletons up to this point were usually missing over half of their bones. It was later determined that Sue was 90% complete and 73% complete if you count other elements such as organ skin tissue. So this is an absolutely incredible uh, piece of of discovery. Of the 360 known T-Rex bones, around 250 were recovered at that time. Scientists believe that the specimen was covered by water and mud soon after its death, which prevented other animals from carrying away the bones. And additionally, the rushing water mixed the skeleton together. So when the fossil was found, the hip bones were above the skull and the leg bones were intertwined with the ribs. Um, But it was very surprising that the the bones were in such excellent condition and also were so large. The skull was over 1.3 meters long, nearly 1.4 meters long, as a matter of fact, and most of the teeth were still intact. After they completed excavating the bones, each block was covered in burlap and coated in plaster, and they transferred it to the Black Hills Institute, where they began to clean the bones. There was a bit of a dispute over the legal ownership of the T-Rex, as we as we mentioned at the start. The Black Hills Institute had obtained permission from the owner of the land to excavate and remove the skeleton, and had, according to them, paid $5,000 for the remains. But Williams later claimed that that money had not been for the sale of the fossil and that he'd only allowed them to remove it and clean it for a later sale. 
He was a member of the Sioux tribe of Native American people, and the tribe claimed that the bones belonged to them. However, the property where the fossil had been found was held in trust by the United States Department of the Interior. So it took seven years for them to finally work out and settle this dispute over who actually owned Sue and who had the right to auction her off. It was eventually auctioned off um, thanks to, uh, with, with, a, with the California State University System, um, Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, McDonald's and Ronald McDonald House Charities agreeing to assist in purchasing Sue for the Field Museum in Chicago. And October 4th, 1997, the auction began the low, the low bid. They set the low price at 500000 US dollars. And yes, less than 10 minutes later, the Field Museum purchased the remains with a high bid of $7.6 million US dollars, the final cost being $8.3 million US dollars. That's the highest amount ever paid for a dinosaur fossil at the time. Absolutely incredible stuff. You can see, Sue, of course, if you head to the uh, the Field Museum in Chicago, a very large and extensive museum, of course, and it uh, holds the most complete uh, T-Rex skeleton that we have to date. Um, they do a lighting display on it, actually, where they light up the bones that are real because, of course, as we said, about 250 out of 360 T-Rex bones uh, were discovered. They highlight the bones that are real in green light uh, so that you can see exactly how much, um, uh, how much of it is real. If you look at the picture of that display, you will notice that the skull is not lit up. That is because the skull is displayed separately in a different display in the uh, the Field Museum. So uh, they also created a fabricated skull to complete the skeleton. Um, but what an incredible discovery. 1990, what a year. The Hubble Space Telescope, the World Wide Web, and Sue the T-Rex, uh, really capping off a brilliant year in scientific discovery and technological advancement in the year 1990. Well, that's going to bring to a close our episode of Throwback Thursday for this evening. Don't forget to join us at the same time next week when we move on to the year 1991. Uh, don't go anywhere. Plenty more great music coming up this evening here on 106.9 Tune FM. I'll leave you with Girlfriend by Charlie Puth. Join us next time.